got to have a signal. You know, I, when you're on broadcast, you want to act like you've been there before. Well, I don't. I just get up there and, and yabba, yabba, yada, yada, do. So, uh, so we want to welcome you this morning to River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We're going to minister this day, seemingly strangely enough, on the way of the successful Christian, number 1062. <laughs> uh, so I wrote this down. I found this note on my desk. It was a rare moment. I was cleaning off my desk. It was a rare moment. And I didn't get very far. But the caliber of a person is measured by the discouragement, the amount of discouragement they're able to bear. Let me read that again. The caliber of a person, your character, our character, my character is determined by the amount of discouragement I'm able to bear. So it's kind of like what kind size of meteor can you bear to fall into your life without blowing up and falling apart? We're all doing better than we used to. Ah, let's not pay attention to that. Somebody talks about you. It's like, ah, who cares? Used to it devastated us. Used to it wiped us out. We just couldn't bear it that somebody didn't like us. Well, gosh, we'd be devastated all the time if we knew how people thought about us. Really. You may find out at Thanksgiving or Christmas, it may slip out of somebody's mouth. The caliber of a person, the character of a person, is measured by the amount of discouragement they are able to bear. We should never be discouraged. Faith is always successful. And our faith is in the victory. So a bad turn or a rock in the road or somebody saying they don't want to go with us anymore. We just pay that no attention because we're pleasing the Lord. It's not all about us anymore. We're pleasing the Lord. If you would turn in your Bible with me to Jeremiah, way back over there in, in, the, in those sticky, sticky pages, I want to lift up the Lord Jesus this morning because he is wonderful in every sense of the word. He is amazing. He's astonishing. He's just all that we need him to be. And I want to thank him that because we have the word of God, the good news is the bad news is wrong. The good news is the bad news is wrong. There is no bad news for a Christian. If you think anything is bad news, you're listening to the wrong gospel. Chapter 29 of Jeremiah. Let's talk about the way of the successful Christian. I know you want to succeed. I know you want to be a Christian, and I know you and I want to succeed, whatever that looks like. We may not even know what a successful Christian is. Used to, you were successful if you were willing to be poor, willing to be a, a martyr, to suffer, to be secluded, and and pray all day and all that stuff. And we thought that that's a, that's a true Christian person that just takes abuse and doesn't ever give it back and all that. It might not be that that's even the mark of the word of God, but that's what we may have thought. Let's read verse 11 together. Verse 11 in the King James, but do the best you can with what you got. Ready, read. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. To give you an expected end. 
to give you. I know the thoughts I have towards you. That's kind of a redundant thing, but he's telling us that he's not scooting by the seat of his pants, so to speak. He's got it wrote down somewhere what he's thinking about you and about me. We are so precious to the Lord. You are so valuable. You are astonishingly uh, 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 precious to him. And he has no other thought except you. That's what makes God God is that he can be, you can be his favorite among millions of others all at the same time. We, we have to kind of focus on one. Uh, do you mind stepping out of the way? Uh, somebody I like better is coming up and I want to be sure and talk to them better. That's the way we have to do. But God, he's got a good plan. And I want to talk about that good plan. Uh, the, the CEV version says, I will bless you with a future filled with hope, a future of success, not suffering. A future of success. The Lord said, I've got success in your path. So we like to say he wants to surprise us with his goodness. I want him to surprise me with his goodness. That would be exciting to not think that every day is going to be the same. Well, that's the way it was yesterday. That's the way it is today. That's how it'll be tomorrow. No, he's going to surprise us if you get expectant. And I'm expecting him to do amazing things for me. Uh, I haven't done it right all the time. None of us have. But he pays no attention to that, so I've decided not to pay any attention to that. To walk away from things that I didn't like, that discouraged me or disappointed me, shame on me for having either of those, and just rise up and say, ah, I'm blessed, and we're going to walk it out. The uh, easy-to-read version, wouldn't that be fun? I have good plans for you. <laughs> That's kind of basic, isn't it? And the Amplified says to give you hope in your final outcome. Well, if you have hope this morning, you're having a good day. That's it. If you have an expectation, you're anticipating God's on the he's on the he's doing something for me. He's active in my life. He hadn't forgot me. So would we say, let's just distill that, that God has blessed you and I and are coming in and are going out. Well, that's just about all of it. Deuteronomy talks about he's blessed you in the city and in the country. That pretty much covers everything. He's blessed you uh, 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 in other ways, but in every way that we could be, he says, I've blessed you. Now pay attention. God has an amazing plan for our life that he has crafted just for us. And the amazing thing is, is the word says that he did it before the foundation of the world. Now, that's, that's the most amazing thing I can think of, that before we were a thought to our mother, before our mother was a thought to her mother, he had a plan crafted and planned out just for me. And that my personality is not by accident, that... Uh, my potential is not limited by anything that the world would say, that no person can craft my future from the intention of God without my permission. So my mission, your mission, our mission is to pray out that plan, to find that plan and to pray it out. 
Because that's the best life you'll ever have is God's plan. You have to believe he's got one for you, that you're not just a mistake or a, a number or just making it on the best you can, but that he's actually helping us every day. When we get up, he's got a plan for us. But we have to seek it. We have to know it's there and look for it. Turn with me, if you would, to the New Testament, to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. We're talking about the way of the successful Christian. And so we've established that God has a plan for you, a personal plan, and that he is working things exceeding abundantly above what you could even ask or think. He's ahead of the curve. You think, well, I know some stuff. I've studied and meditated and sought God. I know a few things. Ah, you don't know anything. But you can. But you got to find it. You got to look for it. You got to believe it's there, that it's worth searching for. It's personal. You can't dial up prophecy. We used to, Charisma Magazine used to have a thing in the back, in the, in the ads. You know, you want a prophecy? Just call this number and send $28 and we'll mail you one out. You may be that you get what you pay for. Hallelujah. James chapter 4, verse 7. We're going to read this one together. It's so powerful. This is the way of the successful Christian. Ready? Read. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Oh, that sounds like a, a master plan. If the Lord said, okay, let me sum up everything. Let me just encapsulate it. Don't do this, do that, do the better at this. Or he could just say, submit yourself to me. Resist the devil. And your resisting will take care of him. What else is there after that, really? Uh, I looked up the word submit. I knew you'd want me to, so I did. In the Greek and everywhere, it means to cooperate. Cooperate. Let's say it together. Cooperate. I can do that. Now, there's a lot of things I can't do, you can't do. We can't swim every sea and climb every mountain, but I can cooperate. Cooperate is in my skill set. I have a will. I can choose to cooperate or to resist, but I can cooperate. It's a day-to-day -day thing. It's a moment-by-moment -moment thing. I can cooperate. I can do this. The word also means to agree. I can do that. I can agree with God. Submit yourselves, therefore. I, it means to defer. It means to yield. It means to commit. Then it means, a funny kind of word, it means to assume responsibility. So if we plug that in, it says, assume responsibilities to the Lord in yourself. I can do that. So success is in my potential because this is what it takes. This is what it takes to have success as a Christian is to cooperate with God, to submit, to agree, to come under. I can do that. So if it's not being successful in my life, it may be that I'm not cooperating. I'm not submitting. Maybe I'm a little ornery. I've been known to be a little ornery before. Hallelujah. No testimonies. Please put your hands down. <laughs> I, I, it hadn't always been that I cooperated, that I submitted, that I agreed. But I could. 
And I'm better now than I used to be. How about you? Then I looked up the word resist. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. The devil's real. He's subtle. He's conniving. He's got a strategy. He's behind the scenes. He tries to get what he does blamed on God. Most Christians fall for it. Say, why is God mad at me? I'm sick and God did it and all that sort of stuff. But the word resist means to withstand. Again, I can do that. I can withstand the devil. I'm not sure sometimes how that looks, what that means. But I know that if he said that I should, that I can. It means to outlast. Oh, having done all to stand, stand therefore. I got outlasting. So he may go a ways. It may not be just a bark one time where I say, get out of here. He may round the corner and come back another way. It means to oppose, to defy. It means to thwart. Thwart. What a word. It means to refuse or repel. It means to prevent. Prevent. Let's, let's plug it in. Prevent the devil. Thwart the devil. Uh, oppose the devil. Defy the devil. And he will flee from you. Now, if you look that up in the Greek, it, it talks about uh, uh, run in terror. Not just like, okay, I will tomorrow or the next day. If you know who you are, if you submit yourselves, therefore, to God, if you submit yourselves, therefore, to God, to the same degree we submit ourselves to God, it's the same degree that he runs in terror. Little submission, maybe little run in terror. Maybe you might just run in aggravation. The Passion Version says, so surrender to God, stand up to the devil, and he will turn and run away from you. How to be a successful Christian. If you don't have the devil, what is your trouble? The uh, Barclay says, so then accept the authority of God. I can do that. The uh, basic says, be ruled by God. The living says, so give yourselves humbly to God. The message says, so let God work his will in you. So I'm doing that. Are you doing that? Like, oh, uh, being a Christian's hard. Nope. If you're in the military, my dad was in the military. I'm a military family. Uh, and I've told you this before, but every three or four years or two years or whatever, I went to 13 schools in my uh, lifetime, you know. So people that talk about that, I, I have no pity for them. But every once in a while, my dad would bring home orders. And him and mother would get on the table and they would look at him and they would say, well, you've got to be at Davis Monthan Air Force Base in Tucson, Arizona on no November 16th, report at 8 a.m. And that's all it said. It, would, it said, you know, there'll be a moving van that'll come by and pick your stuff up and you, but you will be there and you will be dressed in green and you will sub submit and you, and they never thought about defying that. We were never late because they come after you if you don't show up. They, they do things that are inconvenient to your life. So they would submit themselves, therefore, to the military. And they would resist all their other plans, having the preeminence. And it worked out. That's what we got to do. We got to say, what is the, the will of God? What's the orders? And we're going to cooperate with it. So it didn't matter if you had a vacation planned. It didn't matter if you had the Bahamas or Hawaii or whatever. You didn't call in and say, can I delay that? No, you, it was over. The orders were playing.
because they encompassed a bigger picture. Uh, it's better to live a life that's not based on desperation. Till you get to the end of your rope is, is not a good way to live life. Like resisting God until finally the devil just swallows you up. And finally you say, okay, I have no other options. I'm going to submit to God. You know, that's a tough life. Anybody been there? We've all been there. No matter how passive we were in it, we've all been there where we resisted the will of God. We missed it. We delayed it or we changed it. We adjusted it. We flat out said, no, I'm not doing that. And so you get a thus saith the Lord, do it. And you get in the word and it says, do it. And you just say, no, I'm not doing that. And it never goes well. The devil takes advantage of us because we cannot resist him. If we don't submit ourselves, therefore, to God, then we can't resist the devil. And if we don't resist the devil, he's in our lives. And he's a nasty thing. Just he stinks. He's just a nasty thing. You'd hate to cooperate with the devil and, uh, and resist the Lord. What, what would it say there? Uh, Submit yourselves, therefore, to the devil. Resist God, and he will be grieved. And that's kind of how that reads. That's terrible. But we've all done it in some subtle form. Some subtle form. Subtle. We didn't just... We just said, ah, not now. And we miss opportunities. Melissa talked about opportunities. It was marvelous. We need to let that door open and walk through it when it does. So I, I wrote down some things. I thought this would be interesting for me, so I just wrote it down for all of us. The life of a cooperator, a submitter, versus the life of a resistor. And... I'm not sitting here pointing at anybody, but if you find yourselves on the wrong side of the page, the left side is the submitter, the cooperator. The right side of the page is the resistor or the rebel or the, well, we've all raised kids, so we know what that looks like when we tell somebody to do something and they, they just buck up and bow up and say no. And then it's up to you whether to use the paddle of correction or to send them to time out, or just let them win. So the cooperator gets born again. That's where I'm going to start. The cooperator gets born again. But the resistor says, and you've seen this bumper sticker, coexist. Y'all seen that? That is so straight out of the pit of hell. Coexist. The other word, the other bumper sticker I saw was born the first Born right the first time, excuse me. Born right the first time. So that is, that's the resistor. Lots of people have degrees and shades and gradients of each of those. They don't want to get born again. Or if they get born again, they don't really want to follow through. It's a hard life. We start our life submitting to God by getting born again. So if you're here online and you don't, have the new birth in your life, you're having a hard life. It's much better than that. The next thing is getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't know about that. I think I can do without that. Well, that's the resistor. The cooperator, the submitter says, I want everything God's got. 
If God's got it, if he wrote it down, if he mentions it, if anybody else has it and said it's good, I want it too. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of my heavenly father. He's guiding me towards that plan that was made before the foundation of the world. And it always includes being baptized with power. Speaking in other tongues. I, you hear the resistors that says, I, we, and there are certain denominations that say we're baptized in the Holy Ghost. We just don't speak in tongues. Well, you should because you can. That's where the power is. So uh, there, these, these resistors are missing vital tools in their life that come from being baptized in the Holy Ghost, baptized in the Spirit. There is a great upgrade in your life once you submit to that. But it is a submitting because it's an unknown. I remember the first time or the only time that I received it. It was like, do you want it? And they didn't really run down the list of the benefits versus the, you know, I was doing okay without it. But I didn't know how much more I could do. The third thing is concerning the word of God. You can be a submitter or a resistor. Now, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she told the angel, be it done unto me according to thy word. But remember, Thomas was a resistor. What did he say? I can't see it and feel the, uh, the spike marks, then I will not believe. Remember that? Remember the 11? Melissa talked about the 11 that stayed in the boat. They were resistors. I mean, they were all in the same category as Peter, but they resisted. The word come was for everybody. But they wanted to watch and see how it worked out. Well, by the time that played out and they all go, okay, well, then by that time, Peter had sunk and they went, whoa, we've all done that. How about God's wisdom? There's a submitting to God's wisdom and a resisting of God's wisdom. Um, if you don't want God's wisdom, you're saying, don't you think we're saying, I can survive on what I know. Pretty smart. Pretty smart. I'm not I'm no dummy. I can make it without God's wisdom. You're a resistor and the devil doesn't flee from you and he's in your life. Here's a good one. How about the man and woman of God? I mean, we'll call them whatever you want to call them. The pastor, the apostle, the evangelist, whatever. Just just authority, just someone that's been gifted. Uh, the cooperator embraces that person, doesn't make them Lord, doesn't make them God, doesn't make them anything, just says, you're a tool or you're a vehicle in my life. But the, the resistor was kind of like Naaman. Remember the Naaman who was the, uh, was he a Syrian? That was in, and Elisha came to him and, and uh, he was a leper. And Elisha came to him and said, uh, go wash seven times in the River Jordan, a muddy river. And remember what Naaman said? He complained. He said, ah, we got better rivers than that around here. And so he resisted the man of God. I mean, he was resisting God, but he resisted the man. And it did work out for him, but it took a while. And stuff that takes a while in our life, sometimes it's because we have a plan B that we want to run past the Lord. And uh, it sounds so logical and so much better. 
And that's what Naaman did. He said, I, I, I'll go down and wash in any of my rivers, but I'm not going in that Jordan. We've already washed the laundry this month and everything's white. It's not going to help me. Uh, remember Ananias and Sapphira? They lied to, who was it did they lie to? Peter, I believe. He, he, one of them, anyway, I believe it was Peter. And just said, uh, yeah, that, we gave it all. We, we gave it all, which the, nobody cared what they gave, but they lied about what they gave, and it cost them everything. They, they, they couldn't resist the devil who's come to steal, kill, and destroy they stepped out of that realm of authority and that realm of protection, and it cost them everything. They never thought it would be that way. Uh, the Word says in Ephesians 4 that the prophet, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, has been sent to the body to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the equipping of the, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then it goes on in some other verses. So he could be valuable. She could be valuable. Oh, I guess so. If you're getting equipped, that's valuable. Like what else is in the tool shed? Nothing. It's just, it's just them. That's all there is. Well, I believe I'll just wing it then. Well, a lot of people, the, 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 the uh, what, what do you call them, the resistors, they're winging it. They don't like authority. And of course, this has been abused. Of course, this has been maligned. Of course, people have been taken advantage of. It's not like it's always worked out, but it's still God's plan. So remember King Agrippa in Acts 26, where Paul went to him and he said, uh, uh, you, you ought to receive Jesus. And he preached to him and he said, uh, finally, Paul said, King Agrippa, I believe that, uh, he said, believest thou the prophets? And uh, he said, I know you believe. And King Agrippa then responded and said, Paul, you almost persuade me to believe. We, we talk about a lot around here about being easily persuaded to believe. And not being, I got to work it out, I got to pray it out, I got to... It's going to take a year or two to get the Holy Ghost or decide that God's this or that and the other. Almost persuaded to believe is not believing. So if we want to submit. We got to say there's some new stuff coming. He's going to surprise me with it. It's not going to look like I've always thought it would look like. I'm going to get ready for it. I'm going to I'm going to accommodate the potential of the Holy Ghost. Well, what about healing and prosperity? Why don't people want to get healed? It's an amazing thing to get healed. I mean, it just, why, why would we go to the doctor? Why would we spend thousands? Why would we be incapacitated when we could just submit to God and say, I want what you've got for me in the healing or the prosperity realm, that also. Why do we resist and say, it's good enough? And that's what the resistor says. It's good enough. I can live with it. They have no idea. People that don't want to go to heaven, I know a lot of people that don't want to go to heaven. You say, yeah, yeah, they do. Well, they want to go to heaven, but they don't want to leave earth. I run into a lot of people. It's like, it just means they don't really believe in heaven. 
They're not sure. Are you sure this morning? We're sure. We're sure. Anytime's fine. So they say I'm going to take my chances. And I found this even where we were this last week. They say, I know I'm going to heaven. That's good enough. I don't want to tax the system and be healed and prosperous. He might take it away from my heaven experience or something. Who knows? But heaven's good enough. What about prayer? Let's talk about this new year and talk about prayer. We all have an opinion about prayer. Some kind of opinion about how good it is and what's the benefit and how much. God says to submit yourselves, therefore, to prayer. Resist prayerlessness and it will flee from you. Prayer is kind of a thing that we're in the church, especially nobody prays for themselves. I have found that when people call me and say, would you pray for me? If I go back to them and say, have you prayed about this? Believe it or not, invariably they say, no, I have not. So there's a dependence on corporate prayer. Everybody praying, the more the better, that God will hear the more and he will have mercy on the one. When in fact, it's not true, it's not Bible, it's not the word at all. He wants us to pray and he wants us to get prayer, but the more the better is not his. The prayer chain, I'm sorry, that's unscriptural. It's just not in the Bible, the uh, and I don't want to, you don't want to get into things because sometimes people do pray all night for someone and they do get healed. But it just usually means that they, somebody tripped into a principle in there and it wasn't corporate prayer all night, pleasing God and him having mercy. It was that somebody in that group prayed the prayer of faith. And yay, but we could have had just that. So prayer is important. Uh, and most Christians... Say, if I get in trouble, I know some people that will pray for me. So I'm not going to pray. Are you all there? Yes. We're going to cooperate with God. We're going to learn to pray. We're going to learn to pray for ourselves. And we're going to learn to pray the prayer of faith for others. The prayer of faith will heal the sick and raise them up. Um, God cares a lot about marriage in the kingdom. And he judges a lot of things based on what we do with our spouse and we've all been guilty of not being on time with God's plan there. But the, the cooperator loves their spouse and does for them as the Lord would do for them. But the resistor, uh, the resistor blames their spouse when things don't work out. Why didn't you pray? Or why didn't you give? Or why didn't you whatever? The Lord said it so plainly. He said that if, if husbands don't treat their wives right, that he will not answer their prayers. Wow, that sounds pretty powerful. Not getting your prayers answered just because you're a resistor. What if the Lord answered our prayers according to how we treated our spouse? What if that was the whole criteria? He said, if you're not doing that, I'm not doing that. He said, if you don't forgive others of their sin... He can't forgive you. So it could be that our spouse is a real measure of how we real, really feel uh, in, our, in our faith. That's kind of a tricky one. Uh, 
But a lot of people say, I can blame them if they don't take care. If, if it's not going good in our house, I blame her or I blame him. Uh, there's plenty of things to blame your spouse for. Would you all agree marriage is tricky? It's, it's a wonderful, but it's, it's, it's not like this is the ticket to paradise. It is on Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, but Wednesdays and Fridays, it could go anyway. <laughs> uh, church attendance, the cooperator says, if the doors are open, I'm there. That's the cooperator, because it says that's good for us. Uh, if you've ever seen boyfriends or girlfriends in church with someone that's a member, you can just read them from Now, Melissa and others can tell. Up here, you think that we can't see sleeping people. You think, ah, I'm at the back. And I'm just, we see, we see every flutter, <laughs> you know. And so uh, you can always tell a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or a spouse or whatever that they are not cooperating. They are not in sync with being in church. They're very critical. They're very nonchalant. They're very inattentive. They're not cooperating. As if attendance was all that God was checking off, like Melissa and Barry teach their classes. I guess y'all still take role. Yeah. So everybody, you know, when I went to Texas Tech, I had classes of 700 people. And everybody was sending somebody to sit in a chair a reserve chair that wasn't them. Yeah, there was cheating going on everywhere. Well, that's not the way church is. God just says, oh, I see that you were there. So it's what you do when you're here that matters. So if we submit ourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil, we're going to come to church with an expectation. And I'll tell you, the Lord will reward expectation. You'll get things that you didn't think that you thought I could pray 30 hours or I could I could read two books on this or I could just go to church and say, God, I got to have an answer about this. It doesn't have to happen in church by any means. Uh, how about the Holy Ghost, the move of the Holy Ghost? What does the cooperator think about that? Bring it. If you don't think bring it, then you're a resistor. Because the resistor is not happy. They think that it's particular to this particular church or that particular church. And it's based on individuals just acting weird and wonky. When actually it's what God wants to do everywhere, isn't it? Uh, they, they always fail to see the purpose of the move of the Holy Ghost. And I'll agree. Sometimes you don't see it right up. Uh, tithes and offerings, you know, that's obvious. You're submitted. I'm in. I'm easily persuaded to believe. Or I've heard this, that we need it more than they do. Pastors driving a better car, living in a better house than we are, therefore. And so they start calculating that. Uh, serving God. Now, here's one. It's kind of an interesting message this morning, but serving God. The submitter is always saying yes. The resistor is never available. I... Well, I won't go there, but uh, they're always busy. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Jeremiah. Back to Jeremiah, excuse me. I'm a cooperator. It always pays to submit myself, therefore, to God and cooperate. Jeremiah chapter 12. I want to encourage you this morning. 
that your diligence has paid off. That what you're doing, even though it doesn't seem directly rewarded, it's piling up. I want to pray out the plan for my life. I don't know which way it's going to go exactly yet. I know some general things where it could go, but I don't think he's going to call me to be a plumber or an electrician. I've practically burned down houses with my electrician in and water's been in the floor up, up to your ankles with my plumbing. So I hope that's not it. But you don't know what the Lord has planned for you because it's like going to college or university and getting a degree. Sometimes people graduate and they don't know what they're going to do with their degree. Matter of fact, I hear that they're very disappointed with the potential of a psychology degree or a, a music directing degree or archaeology or whatever. It's like, that's what I want to do, but there's no jobs for it. So you and I are equipped. We've got a degree in a lot of things, in the things of God, but there's lots of potential that he's never showed us the curriculum or the catalog or the potential of what that qualifies us for. But it's always better than we think. And we may think we know what our potential is. I'll just be a soul winner. I'll just lay hands on. Could be that he's not through with River Church and what he's going to call you to do. Things are going to happen very quickly. There's a compression of time in these end days where things are going to happen faster than they've ever happened. Frankly, they, happen, have, they haven't happened very fast in the last, what would you say, 30 years. To do to do is what I would call it. And things are going to be compressed. If you listen to Joe Morris again, he'll tell you how fast things are happening. He told me, he said, uh, it's kind of on a seven-year cycle. And there's some reasons for all that. So if it doesn't happen this year, in 2022... It might not happen again until 2029. But then he said, but the, the rate of, of completion of the prophecies in Ezekiel and other books don't allow for seven more years. I mean, it, at the rate that it's happening, what are you going to do for seven years? So we don't know, do we? We will know. We'll know soon enough. But there's lots going on. And now is the time to pay attention. Look in verse 5. It says, If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? Boy, that's a logical thing. If you can't do this, how are you going to do that? That's way harder than this. And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustedest, they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Let me read that in the uh, uh, Amplified. It says, But the Lord rebukes Jeremiah's impatience, saying, If you've raced with men on foot and they've tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? And if you take to flight in a land of peace where you feel secure, USA, USA, then what will you do when you tread the tangled maze of jungle haunted by lions in the swelling and flooding of the Jordan. Did you get that? Well, let me read it in the easy to read. <laughs> Jeremiah, if you get tired in a safe place, what will you do in a dangerous place? So, you know, the Marines, the Navy, the Air Force, all of those, they, they prepare for scenarios that are not imminent. They 
prepare with weapons, with strategies, with uh, 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 conditions that are not actually going on. But they might at any time come. And the Marines have to be ready. They got to be ready for stuff that, that they've never actually seen, but they had to practice it. And that's the way it is for the church. The message says, if you can't keep your wits during times of calm, what's going to happen when troubles break loose? So family, you can't look around and say, good enough. You can't look around and say, I got it. Barely got it, but I do got it. There's so much more that's coming that we have to be prepared for. So at River Church, that's what we've been doing. We're, we're preparing for another epidemic. I'm not saying there is one. I'm just saying it won't catch us off guard. We, we're we're going to dominate everything that comes down the line. Uh, there's uh, If you listen to Curry Blake, and you should, have y'all all watched the DHT? You ought to watch the DHT. It'll change your life. Then watch it again. Lynn says he's already watched it twice. Yeah. You ought to watch the DHT. It'll help you with much more than just healing. Uh, but he talked the other, the last episode we watched about what if, what if the American church lost their tax-exempt status and people just quit coming to church? Because what that means is, is the giving uh, to the church would be taxable. Right now, you don't pay taxes on the money that you give, and the church does not pay money on the money that it receives. So if you gave $10,000 last year, and you took that off your income of 100000 then you only pay taxes on ninety grand. Cool. There's an incentive to give. And if the church received that 100000 and didn't pay any taxes, which is how it is right now, what if the church had to pay a corporate tax? Because we are a corporation, a nonprofit corporation in the state of Alabama. We're 501c3 with the IRS and all that business. But what if we had to pay taxes on that? Well, change, it would change it. How can you run with the horses? And he talked about the church going underground. That's what they've done in other countries over many periods of time, especially China, but other Oriental countries, Middle East, Far East. I don't know. Do you know? No, we don't know. We don't care. We're going to be ready for anything. And so if it comes, we'll be ready. If it doesn't come, we'll be ready. But we'll be strong for whatever scenario shows up. We need to be ready for any kind of situation. So we need to be able to pray for people with AIDS or leukemia or cerebral palsy and have an expectation. We fixed it. Got it. Curry also said that every known disease that's, that they know of, that is known, they have prayed for some individual of every known disease, and they have dominated every known disease. So, so much for God doesn't heal everybody. It's just not true. It's just been our experience. 
In this room, we could take a poll and say, how many of y'all have scaled Mount Everest? And nobody would raise their hand, and we'd say, well, it's probably impossible based on this sample. But we know that's not true. And so a lot of people would say, well, healing doesn't always happen. Well, that's their experience. But Curry and many of you have a different experience. I did pray for the sick and lay hands on the sick, and they did recover. So we cannot go like the Marines or the Army. We can't go based on what is the pressure or the expectation today. Well, we're not going to do missile practice because we just, nobody's shooting missiles. We're not at war with anybody. Oh, but what if we went to war? Well, well, then we'd have to start practicing. Might be too late. Missile practice may be shut down for the weekend because we're being bombed in our missile sites. So just like the military does, we're military. To keep our own families safe. Plus the church, the religious church, is so benign that... They're going to see you. They're going to hear about you, especially in a pandemic or anything like that, a financial collapse. And they're going to say, I want what you got. And it won't be too late. Because people catch on pretty quick when, they're, when they need to know. I don't know. That's what I think. He said... Uh, If you have raced with men on foot and they've tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? Oh, we got to giddy up. This has got to be where healing and prospering is just common. It's just just what we do. It's who we are. It's what we have. So all that requires, though, is submitting ourselves, therefore, to God. It's not like, ah, I got to do this and I got to do that. If you'll do that, then the devil would be taken out of the equation. Because what you submit yourself to God in dominates him. Submit yourself as a God in prosperity, in supply, and you'll dominate lack and little and shortage, need. So that's what we're doing. Do we need all the money that's, uh, that's coming? I, you may not need it now, but we ought to have paid for houses here at River Church. Would you all agree with me? Well, I don't know how we're going to do it. Ah, That's not our deal. He said nothing is impossible to him who believes. So the, the whole equation is, is not what can God do, but what can I believe? Well, I'm going to have to giddy up. I'm going to have to start looking at the word, filling my life with the impossibility being done and addressing impossibilities that have not been done and dominating them. So we ought to have, and we're agreeing with everybody in here, for a paid-for house in your life. Yeah, I agree. There's no visible answer to that of how it could happen. But almost everybody's miracle in River Church has got that same flavor to it. Surprised us. We never saw that coming. It's amazing. I I want to be on that side when the Lord comes back and said, time's up. We watched a video years ago, and I'm going to bring it in here. And it's amazing how we we may all think the rapture is going to happen. But it shows this church service 
maybe y'all seen it. It's uh, it's about heaven and hell. And the, the, the pastor's up there preaching, and then there's a boom. And suddenly, 80% of the people in the room are gone. I mean, just instantly gone. Sometimes I guess we may think, or I thought, it's kind of like, okay, get your bag. No, we don't have time for two bags. Get your, just get the bag and let's go. Like there's a pause in there. And, and, and uh, did you feed the dog before we left? No. Well, he'll just have to get on his own. It's just instantly. And everything that we want to do after that moment is going to be undone. So we've got to get it done now. I'm not trying to light a fire on you. I, it'd be better if we had a, a fire to put out and say, okay, if we're going to do it, we've got to put this fire out. We've got to win this thing right there. Right now we're in relative calm, even though our nation is on fire. Absolutely. But we're all going about our business. So I wrote down, put off the excuses and weaknesses of 2022. I can do that. I'm going to submit to God. I believe that's what he's saying. Put off the weaknesses and excuses of 22. No condemnation, no shame, no guilt for having wrong thinking, little thinking. Uh, uh, but find out what they are in your prayer time. Go down the road and think, God, what is my weaknesses that I don't even know about? And he'll talk to you. He'll say, you got to end this because it's taken up that. I wrote down 2023 is coming. How prophetic is that? Hallelujah. But it will require mastery. There's a thinning out coming. A thinning out. Where when you don't know what to do, it's going to be more consequential than it ever has been. Everybody's been making it without knowing anything. But it's going to thin out. And the challenge is, is to say, I'm going to run with the horses. Because we've been running with men. All of us have been running in this United States, paying our bills, going to work, being good citizens, going to church, having a good time, having a good life, having a better life than we've ever had. But to run with horses you're going to have to run at a level that exceeds the need so that when the need changes, you're already there. So it may, need, it may mean that you need $20,000 in an account so that you can pay off somebody else's house or their car. I, I know this is crazy, but I want to put it out there. I want to just put it out there and let you and the Lord, like a big piece of jerky, just gnaw on it until you get satisfied. There might be more than what's required. We might need to live at a higher level than is necessary. A higher level than is necessary. You know what they say about Alabama football. Well, they say many things, but they they've always said it. Or maybe I'm wrong, but they've always said Alabama just rises to the level of the competition. If they send Austin P out there or if they send uh, Western Kentucky or if they send whoever you go, 
We should have won 100 to nothing. No, it was, it was 50 to 20 or something like that. It was, you know, we won. But you could tell they just held their horses because, like, this is easy. Y'all know how that works. Y'all ever we've all done that. I don't know that this is going to work for this type of the kingdom. I think we're going to have to be ahead of the curve, which maybe we are already. Maybe we're ahead of the curve. But that would be just because we're comparing ourselves to other Christians in other churches. And we say, well, we, we already believe in healing. Oh, we don't believe in healing. We already believe in a full supply. Uh, we're, we're not sure about that. Okay, so we're ahead in the sense of that. But are we ahead enough? What are we judging against? Well, the Lord told Jeremiah, said, you're having a hard time keeping up just with regular folks running. I'm fixing to put you in there with horses, and you need to beat the horses. So you need to giddy up with these men so that you'll be plenty strong with the horses. You get the, you get the parody. You understand it. So it's going to take a commitment. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. To the same degree I submit, I can resist. And he will be a non-factor in your life. I want him to be a non-factor. I'm tired of his little surprises, his little showing-ups, and his little, uh, 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 yeah, his raids, where you think everything's fine, and the devil raids. And you go, what was that? Father, I thank you for helping us think big in small places. That we, we begin to dream according to our potential, rather than the need that's in this day. That we begin to demand of what you've put in us to be showing up and to be shining out as if that's the only thing that we're measured against. That we're not measured against what the need is or other people, but we're measured against what you put in us before the foundation of the world and what's in the word saying you have it, you can do it. So, Lord, we're changing our mind. I'm changing my mind. This year, in 2022, I'm spending these next 50-something days changing my mind. I'm changing my mind. I'm going to start thinking big even before it's demanded so that I can get the baton from the runner in front of me and be up and running to win the race. River Church, we say to you, do it. Be an example. Be a demonstration. Be a testimony of how this should work. And your life will be justified. All that you did when nobody was looking and all that you did when nobody cared, you'll be justified. The Lord is a rewarder. The Lord is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We say, Lord, we're going to be those that diligently seek you in these last of the last days. And if we're wrong, Lord, if there's 20 more years and we, we're buried in a hole somewhere and come up with the saints, glory to God. Glory to God. It just, it, we just can't lose. So we commit as a church to move forward. And we're not going to cry and complain and carry on about it so hard. We're going to pick up and go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm reminded of that story. Uh, I love that scripture. It's in Kings where uh, Elijah passes by and he throws his mantle on Elisha. And uh, 
Elisha says, what? What? And he's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. There's 11 plus his. And Elijah says, well, let me go say bye to my folks. And Elijah just said, this is, this is very powerful. He says, what have I got to do with you? It's not between you and me. It's between you and God. And so I kind of summarized that that said, uh, uh, plow or go with me. Keep plowing. Just do what you're doing. Say bye to your folks. They'll die in a few years. Or go with me right now. And the word says that Elisha stopped. He slaughtered the oxen, built a fire out of his plow, fed everybody that was around, and took off after Elijah. Plow or go with God is kind of the, the deal with that. So there's a lot of plowing. Matter of fact, there will always be plowing to be done. It never ends. There's always something to do, something to distract. There's grandchildren. There's, there's places to see. And there's I, all the things that we dream about before we were spiritual, when we were carnal, that we said someday we're going to do all that stuff. And it's all noble. It's all good. But plow or go with God. I, it's a decision we're all making in some dimension. So what's important to me is that you have a church that, that you don't have to resist the church and say, well, they're a bunch of slugs, and, but we want to go on with God. We ought to go to a church that says we're all going on with God. And so here we are in Jesus' name. Amen. So I bless you. I'm so grateful for you. There's enough. There's enough. So we're not waiting on anything. There's enough. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.